You may be seated. We're doing something a little different during our first reading. Uh, so you're going to have to turn to your bulletins. You see the reading for Psalm 150? It is truly a proclamation and praise to God, and we are going to, to do this in, uh, responsively, um, and we are truly going to do our best to praise God. We have planted various instruments in your pews. Can you locate one? You see them? Give them a good shake. Let me hear it. Come on. All right. Because this is going to be a participatory reading, not just with words, but with some musical instruments. So, um, so for example, um, there may be a call to use our symbols. Who has some symbols? All right. Any more? All right. There's some symbols. And there may be a call for some drumming. We, I think we only have one drum, but how else can we do some drumming? All right, we use our feet. All right. All right, I just want to make sure. All right, are you all ready to try this? All right. Alleluia. Praise God in this holy house of worship. Praise God under the open skies. Praise God for awesome acts of power. Praise God for magnificent greatness. Praise with a blast on the trumpet. <laughs> Praise by strumming soft strings. <laughs> Praise God with cassinets and dance. Praise God with banjo and flute. That's pretty good. Praise God with cymbals and a big bass drum. Praise God with fiddles and mandolin. All right. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Alleluia. The word of the Lord. Not bad, guys. Scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. I invite you to read along in your pew Bibles or to actively listen. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going Fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out 
and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them, and though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. 
He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to Peter, follow me. The word of the Lord. Pollen in the air. Mm-hmm. How many of you have lived in the meantime, the meantime space, the space when you are waiting for whatever is next, your flight to take off, the oil chains to wrap up, a new job, graduation. Meantime space may be an undefined period of time. It is uncertain what the future may hold. Like, will you win the lottery? Or the time between doctor's appointments and test results. In the meantime, is an attempt to be productive while you're settling into a new normal. In the meantime, is not usually where you desire to be, but it is often where we find ourselves spending the most time in life. In the meantime, when we can't go back, and the way forward just isn't so clear. In the meantime, is where we find Peter and the disciples are living in our gospel story today. Remember, prior to this story, of Mary seeing the resurrection. Prior to this story is the disciples locking themselves in their house out of fear. Prior to this story is Thomas's encounter with Jesus. And we don't know how much time has elapsed between then and this morning. A week? A month? years, and maybe not quite knowing the way forward after the resurrection and waiting on God's next move, Simon Peter blurts out, well, in the meantime, I'm going fishing. And several of the disciples say, yeah, that's a good idea. They go back to their day job, they get back to their normal routine, they go back to what they know best, fishing. A colleague of mine, who also enjoys fishing, says John 21 contains the saddest scripture ever. 
They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. That is not good news. It is especially sad and disappointing and maybe even depressing when even your meantime plan doesn't work out. And along comes this stranger who asks if they have caught anything and when they respond no, encourages them to drop their nets on the right side of the boat and when they bring up their nets, their nets are overflowing with fish. And in this act of abundance, they realize this stranger is Jesus. And the abundance continues. The sun is coming up. Everything is soft and quiet. The disciples are coming to shore after a long, dark night with all of their fish, and they find that Jesus has made them breakfast. An act of hospitality and abundance that would have reminded them of Jesus' act of abundance when feeding the 5,000. And Jesus not only provides for his disciples, but he also invites them to contribute what they have and an extension of who they are. What I love about this passage is that it is an invitation to the disciples and to us to participate. The truth is, most of life are meantime moments. And if we are always just waiting around for big flashes of light, or the sky to open up, or God to descend, or aha moments of enlightenment, or winning the lottery, or for everything to go back to the way it used to be when the church was big and full, when we were young and beautiful and skinny and in perfect health, I fear that we're going to be waiting around a long time and that life is going to pass us by. Jesus isn't calling us to wait. Jesus is calling us to follow. When we are living life in the meantime of the resurrection, what does discipleship look like? What happens next in the scene with Peter is explicit and powerful. Three times Jesus asks Peter to confess his love, and three times Peter does. Do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then tend my sheep. Do you love me? 
follow me. Follow me in the ways that I have cared deeply for those the world has not. Follow me in the ways that I have fed others. Follow me in the ways that I have healed and shown mercy. Follow me in the ways that I have seen those that the world has chosen to not see. Follow in the ways that I have spoken out for those who are in misery and poverty. When so much of our faith has been reduced to what happens to us when we die, or adding converts to our roster, this story reminds us that what Jesus asks us to do is to simply follow. Discipleship means participating in the work of Jesus' ministry, to take on the role as a shepherd. I am reminded of the words of Teresa of Avila, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on in the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. I can't help but think that when life isn't going as planned and we find ourselves or others struggling in the meantime, that we will remember this story and the hope from it. That Jesus is recognized, is seen, in the midst of incredible abundance. Can we be that abundance? Can we be Christ to each other, lightening each other's burdens to make life even just a little bit easier? Do you love me? then follow me.